Hello guys and welcome to the Mado Videos podcast by Kart. Uh today we have Redis Labs senior technical marketing manager uh Doug Tidwell with us. Uh Doug is a veteran in the industry having spent over 3 decades. Uh he's got so much uh, to share. Uh, uh I've had a chat with him before and I just couldn't uh think of passing this opportunity to get him on board uh, for this episode uh, we'll be talking a lot about uh, video evangelism because that's what he's done primarily for uh, most of his career uh, having spent time at uh, various organizations like red hat cloudbase uh, ibm and uh, he's right now with fredis uh, labs again uh, without much ado i'd like to add uh, duck to the podcast and uh, get started hello thank you for having me i'm glad to be here thank you so much for taking time out uh, and joining us uh, it's been uh, a pleasure to have you on board uh, from the time we uh, got in touch uh, till right. now it's been such a great experience uh, learning already from you and i hope uh, we discover a lot of uh, additional things to uh, learn from you as we uh, speak today i hope so awesome uh, so before we get started uh, i think i haven't done uh, justice to introducing you on the podcast so i'd like you to give me a brief introduction about yourself a little bit about your background and what your role at uh, redis lab is okay sure uh, i have been an evangelist for most of my career um when i started uh obviously that was long before the days of covid uh, i was in the room with you i was on the stage i was speaking at user groups whatever uh audience made sense and as time went by uh travel dollars became scarce and i moved into a role where i didn't travel very much at all so i had these these presentation skills uh that i had honed over a long period of time and said okay i've got to find some way to use these skills uh and video was the obvious way to do that so you know i do uh well before the pandemic anyway i i did travel i did speak uh occasionally uh but by far most of my work has been in front of a camera uh like this so i have had to learn different techniques you know obviously my my audience here is a camera you know there's a teleprompter i'm making eye contact with the teleprompter my dog may be in the room that's about it i don't have an audience to interact with uh so it has has uh, taken some time to really get comfortable with that uh in terms of my role at redis labs uh i have only been there a short time but i'm very very excited uh about the company its products its uh its trajectory in the marketplace and my job there uh is to produce content that shows people how to use our products uh in what most people would think of as a non-traditional way uh redis most people think of redis as a cache for their database it's great at that you know we have massive market share in in that part of the industry uh but what we're trying to do is show all the other things uh that redis can do with amazing performance and scalability so my job is to create videos and other types of of uh, multimedia content 
to help people understand what they can do with our product and how to make the most of it. Right. So I think I think that leads me to this question that I ask every guest of ours who comes on the podcast. Uh, that is, why is Doug mad over videos? Why do you love videos so much? Um, I, I love it because it's just, um, it, it's such a chance to to really craft things, you know, to do things exactly the way that I want to do them. Uh, you know, in, in a presentation, a lot of things can go wrong, you know, especially if you're demoing live code the network can go down, your code can crash. There are a lot of things that you don't have much control over. Whereas with a video, I can do everything exactly the way I want it. So, you know, if I don't like a particular take or my voice didn't sound right or I mispronounce them, whatever, I can go back and fix that uh, and make everything as as close to perfect as as I want. And, you know, there's also a lot of, of creative things uh, that I can do on video that you really can't do uh, on a stage. You know, we we talked earlier, you know, we've done skits, we've done all sorts of uh, uh, humorous uh, uh, videos, and those are things that really wouldn't work uh, in front of a live audience. So that's why I, I, I like it. And again, um, during the time of the pandemic, if you're a presenter, this is what you have to do. So I'm, I'm blessed to, uh, to, to have these skills at this point in my career uh, to, to be able to still reach out and communicate with people uh, through this medium. Right. A major part of your uh, career has been uh, into evangelizing technology, right? Uh, right? I'd like to dive a little bit into that. What does it take to be an evangelist? Uh, what are the top three or five things that come to your mind when it comes to uh, skills or the mindset that is needed to be a good evangelist or a great evangelist. Right. Well, I, I think there's several things. Um, to me, the most important is to be approachable. Um, I have seen speakers who feel like their job is to convince everyone they're the smartest person in the room. Okay. If, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm the only person in the room. What I want you to feel if you're in the audience I want you to look at me and what I'm doing and think to yourself, oh, I could do that. Okay, now it's probably a lot more complicated than it seems, but a big part of evangelism is, is convincing people this product or technology is real and you can do great things with it right now. So to me, that that's a real key. Um, another thing that's important, you'd think it would be obvious, but so many people miss it, is to be as clear and simple as you possibly can. Uh, I have a, a master's degree in computer science, but I have a bachelor's degree in English. And when I was getting my English degree, I wrote papers all the time. And it forced me to learn how to distill ideas down and, and convey them very simply and, and concisely. That's vital if, if you're an evangelist. And the other thing to me uh, is to respect the cynicism that I believe most developers have. Uh, you know, we've all been in the software business for a while now. Uh, every few minutes, somebody comes up with a new framework or a new product or a new technology. That's the greatest thing ever. And five minutes from now, there'll be another new thing that's the greatest thing ever. So developers, I think, have, have been told many, many times, here's something that's worth your time. You know, it's worth your time to learn this, 
language, this framework, this product. And every developer I know, myself included, has been burned by that. You know, okay, I saw that technology, I invested a lot of time in it, and then it turned out it didn't go anywhere in the marketplace. So I think it's important to show people the value of learning what it is that that you're selling. Again, whether it's a technology or a product, I want to convince you that if you invest the time in learning what I'm selling, you're going to be more productive, you're going to be more innovative and creative, you're going to have a real advantage over your peers and your competitors. Absolutely. Uh, now that you uh, talked about it, you just mentioned uh, that you've been used to being in rooms where you have real people around you. Uh, and to, in, the, uh, in the situation that we are in today, you're doing all the same things, but uh, sitting in front of a camera uh, with uh, a tele teleprompter and your dogs <laughs> as well. Right, right. Uh, I, I think I'd like to know... Uh, uh, how different is it? Like what? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's of course different. Uh, uh, like like what's what goes on in your mind? Like uh, how do you keep the same level of interest and and also ensure that uh, you deliver uh, with the same amount of passion uh, when it comes to being on stage and in front of the camera? Yeah, one of the things is, is passion and energy. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there. That is vital. If I'm just sitting here reading on a teleprompter, I mean, that's boring. You know, you, if, if I look like I'm not having a good time, the audience is not going to stick around. So, you know, again, that comes directly from the work that, that I did on stage. I am enthusiastic about whatever I'm talking about. This is the greatest product ever. You people out there are the greatest audience ever. I'm just thrilled to be, you know, I mean, you need to project that kind of energy and you have to do the same thing on, on camera. It's different, of course, because you can't really feed off the audience. You know, if, if I'm really projecting to an audience, people respond to that. That's great. Here, again, the camera, it doesn't respond. It just sits there and records me. So, you know, that that's... Uh, that, that's an important thing. You have to have that energy. Um, also, you know, we'll talk about humor as we go. Um, I have had to learn that with humor, you, you almost have to hide it um, in, in, in some ways. Just, just do something and move on. You know, if, if you're in front of an audience, you may do something funny and the audience laughs. Okay, that's great. Pause for a minute, let people stop laughing and then move on to the next thing. Obviously, I don't get that, you know, in front of a camera. I will say something or do something that I think is funny, but I can't wait. Yeah. Just keep going uh, and 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 keep projecting energy as you go. True. Uh, like I said, I think I think I want to take this example. That most people uh, give this tip when it comes to like being a speaker on stage. Uh, if you're not comfortable, uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people might agree here, but then there is. There's a thing that they say that you imagine that your audience is naked and then you get comfortable uh, with the whole idea of now now I can speak to these guys. I mean, a lot of people do follow this and I've, I've spoken to a bunch of people who come from this school of thought. But I don't know, what, what, what is something that you follow when it comes to making yourself comfortable in front of the camera? Um, I, I, it's, it's a weird mix. I am a complete introvert, but I love to be on stage. So I have never had a problem being comfortable. To, to me, the main thing is I just I do not envision anything negative happening whatsoever. 
obviously I know, especially if I'm doing a live demo, something may go wrong, but I just envision this is going to be great. Everything is going to work. I'm going to be clear. I'm going to be persuasive, precise. The audience is going to love me. This is just going to be the greatest presentation ever. That's the way that I think. That's the mindset I have when I walk out on stage. And again, I try to have that same confidence when I sit down in front of a camera and turn on the lights. You know, this is going to be a great video. People are going to watch this. They're going to tell their friends. It's going to get a great audience. It's going to really make a difference in the marketplace. You know, to, to, to me, you just you have to think positive. And, you know, if, if thinking of a room of naked people is positive for you, well, if that works, that's great. <laughs> I don't go by that, but then I think this is something that I've uh, captured after talking to a lot of uh, speakers. Uh, I mean, a first-time speaker, especially, who've been given this advice, but... Uh, Feel free to take it or leave it. Uh, for right. those who are watching, I'm, I do not subscribe by that notion. So um, that, that said, uh, I, you just brought out the point of humor. Uh, I'd like to throw an image uh, on the screen right now of uh, uh, you recording a video for the audiences of Madover videos, uh, announcing that you'll be on the podcast. And uh, this is what it looks like. <laughs> so please tell me your obsession. Uh, so for, for those who might not know this, this is a Narval hat. Uh, Narval or Narvel is, is a mid-sized tooth uh, mammal, right? Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a whale. Uh, and and uh, like I, I was shocked when uh, like Doug decided to record a video wearing a Narval hat and uh, sending it my way. Please tell me what's your obsession with this hat. Well, the, the, there's a couple of things. First of all, we, we talked about not taking yourself too seriously. If you're wearing a narwhal hat, it's pretty obvious you're not taking yourself too seriously. Uh, but where that came from, I was at a uh, DevOps conference, and what we were um, promoting was a new book called The Unicorn Project uh, by Gene Kim. It's an excellent book. If you care about DevOps, you should definitely uh, check it out. But I just thought... You know, everybody's going to be there with a unicorn hat. Why, why not a narwhal hat? It, it has one horn like a unicorn, except it's real. So that was just sort of uh, where I started. And then I I became known as the guy with the narwhal hat. So it just sort of stuck. And, you know, like I say, if, if you see me wearing a narwhal hat, it's pretty obvious we're not going to have a dry, boring, very serious discussion we're going to have some fun while we're talking about technology. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I saw that video hit my inbox uh, after you recorded that, and I was like, this is going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I have someone who is who is definitely going to be fun to talk to. So, uh, and, and it's going the same way. I, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, uh, this this conversation is not bound by a tight agenda or anything. And I, I love it uh, when it is this way. Great. Great. So uh, that said, when you talk to uh, developers, that, that's that's been your primary audience for most of your uh, career, right? Yeah, for most of my career, and you know, it, it you have to to do things differently for other audiences. If you know, if if I'm talking to the the CTO or the CEO, if I'm talking to an analyst, I'm not wearing the narwhal hat. You know, I'm assuming you're really busy. I'm lucky to get 15 minutes of your time. We're going to go straight to the pitch. There's not going to be any nonsense. 
And again, that's one of the reasons I love talking to developers is that they have a great sense of humor uh, and and can really respond to that. True, true. Uh, that said, I mean, uh, like you brought out a very interesting point uh, that like, like yourself, many others also typically get into the mindset that when you see a person uh, in a suit, uh, he's going to be uh, a different person than your uh, average consumer. He's going to be dead serious and, and he might not enjoy humor. And and then you sort of uh, get like, I, I don't know, you sort of tweak your uh, mode of communication. You you start getting more serious. And, and oftentimes uh, it, it's, it's not true. The person on the other side is equally interesting and uh, loves uh, maybe a light note. So right. I think it's important to also uh, take that call uh, intelligently i would say uh, by yes. judging who's the audience yes yes and and what i always do in front of a live audience is i will start with some some little thing that's kind of humorous and just see how the audience reacts again if if it's if i'm in the c suite and nobody cracks a smile okay that's the last joke we're going to hear today <laughs> But like you said, there are a lot of people I've, I've had I've had times where the CTO is having a lousy day and a little bit of humor is really welcome. So, you know, it's that's the thing about being in person. You can judge your audience and respond to them in front of a camera. It's it's not the same. True. Uh, speaking of being funny on video, there's a video that I'd like to play uh that's called bad speaker tips uh, and and uh, you can tell me a little bit more after i play the video about it okay uh, so sure. hello this is evil doug tedwell for cloudbees with some tips for devops world speakers if you're evil like me there's nothing you enjoy more than inflicting pain on your audience they'll come to you for your expertise and your compelling subject matter But with these simple tips, they'll stagger away in pain and misery. Okay, let's get started. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I I, I know like my mom, for example, my my mom is surprised that I get paid for doing stuff like that. Um, This is just a a character that came out of some skits I did uh, at CloudBees. the, the 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 evil Doug character that that was basically just uh, it's a very cartoonish character. Um, you know what, what I, I put that together for speakers at DevOps World, which this year of course was a virtual conference. Uh, everybody was making videos for the first time, so we put together. Um, I guess I would say some of it was uh, important tips. Some of it is my pet peeves. Um, you know, there, there are things like the ceiling fan. It drives me crazy when I'm hearing an expert give a really good presentation, but the ceiling fan is overhead flashing on the video, things like that. So it, it, it's with the humor, it's silly. Um, it's very important to me not to be sarcastic, not to be mean, but along with, you know, the, along with the bad advice for how to annoy your audience there's also all the good advice. This is what you should do. You know, oh, sure, you could have good lighting, but it's a lot more annoying if you stand in front of a bright window, things like that. So it, it's humorous. It's something people enjoyed, but it also conveys all the information we wanted to convey. So, you know, that could have just been, 
use good lighting, use a good microphone. Thanks for stopping by. But it, it was more fun to, uh, you know, to, to give the reverse advice, uh, making it obvious what you should be doing. Absolutely. I think, I think uh, that said, it takes me to the point of uh, not going the traditional route. Uh, and and this, uh, a lot of brands get caught up in this. Uh, they take uh, their audience very seriously, uh, more than they should, uh, and yeah. end up uh, basing the uh, video that they come up for their product uh, based on those personas. Whereas, uh, I mean, uh, like you said, if you're, if you're getting... Uh, the the gift of your audience's time you need to use it very judiciously so uh yeah. most of the times if you could entertain them for those a minute or two uh i think uh that is going to be a f uh that's going to leave a everlasting uh, uh this thing uh impression on their minds and and there's going to be higher chances that they recall your brand when they actually have a need because most of the times when you're selling uh uh, like to cold customers, uh, it's it's uh, it's most of the times it's the case that they do not have a need uh, like for your product. But then oftentimes when they actually do, uh, the, the only ones that they get back to are the people that they remember and the brands exactly. that they remember. Exactly. With with that said, I think uh, why do you think it's uh, important to take non-traditional examples and and uh, break the whole uh, idea of showing the exact same persona that they are targeting um, because it's it's boring because yeah like I, I I'm a developer I don't want to see another developer's day in life uh, because right. I know how it is <laughs> right well I I think there are a couple of things there are a couple of dangers in going with the the traditional persona uh, the first obviously is that maybe the traditional persona is just boring uh, the second thing is that if I try if I try to write an example application of handling a mortgage, okay, I, I'm not a mortgage banker. I, I don't know how it works. If you are a mortgage banker, you're going to look at my example. You're going to be distracted because I'm doing things wrong. You know, instead of paying attention to what I'm trying to to the message I'm trying to get across. You're thinking, oh, you would never process an application that way. That's just wrong. So to to me. When you use a non-traditional example, you're taking people, how to put this, you're getting people to think about their problems from a different perspective. And one of the examples I did uh, when I was at IBM, uh, we built a chat bot uh, with the Watson Conversation Service, which was really cool. It had a great natural language processing engine, could make inferences. You know, it, it, it was cool technology, still is cool technology. But what I did was I wrote a chatbot that was a valet for Pharaoh Ramses II, who died roughly 3,500 years ago. Uh, and what the king did, uh, he loved to have a feast or build a monument to himself or start a war. So the chatbot's job was to figure out what the king wanted to do today and get all the details it needed to make plans for the king, okay? Totally silly example, okay? Nobody is doing that in the real world. But what we focused on was this chatbot needs to be smart enough to only ask the minimum number of questions. So if the king says, I'm really hungry today, 
okay, we know the king wants to have a feast. He's not going to have a war. He's not going to build a monument to himself. And I showed lots of techniques, lots of advanced techniques to reduce the number of questions and make better inferences in your chatbot. That's what people remember. And again, when, when you start down this road of it's a chatbot for someone who died 3,500 years ago, people disconnect from the normal way they think about problems and start looking at it differently. Because what they're looking at is, you know, we have the same issue. We need to not ask our users annoying questions with our chatbot. So it, it, it really worked out well. And, you know, I got some really gratifying uh, emails where people said, you know, we had this problem. We couldn't figure out how to reduce the number of questions. We couldn't figure out how to avoid this situation. Your example showed us exactly how to do it. So it, it was not, you know, it was an example that had absolutely nothing to do with anything any sane, rational person would ever do. But it showed you lots of techniques lots of ways to use the technology to solve problems. And that was a really effective way of, of getting that message across. So I think, I think, uh, I think this is probably the best example that I've seen when it comes to uh, like explaining what to do and what not uh, in, in your onboarding or lead capture stage of, of, of any product for that matter. And and this right. is, uh, so thank you so much for bringing this up because this sparks some ideas for our own uh, uh, marketing uh, uh, initiatives. So I'm going to take a note of that. And oh, uh, at the same time, uh, there's another... Uh, <laughs> There's another uh, example that comes to my mind when you bring this up uh, is uh, a video from a brand called Airtable. Again, Airtable is a task management uh, SaaS tool uh, uh, in the cloud where uh, you can you can organize all your tasks and and ensure uh, that you have a smooth collaboration across teams. Uh, but again, it uh, the approach that I really like that they took, and I'm going to show that video uh, after uh, okay. we talk about it, is uh, not by showing a team of uh, developers and product managers and marketeers or whatever. Uh, they they took the route that I, everybody could relate to. Again, a very non-traditional example. And uh, I think uh, without uh, talking about it, if I show it directly on the screen, I think you guys will be able to relate more to it. So here goes that tape video. Okay, great. When you're making a movie like this, there's a million things to keep track of. Characters, scenes, plot points, the equipment, the location, the filming permits. Actors, headshots, egos. Between you and me, this picture was really on the skids. My ideas were maybe a little too ambitious. Hey, sweetie, you making a movie? Oh, go away! I don't have time for this! But then we started using Airtable. It's a tool that lets you organize anything. A wedding, a company, an empire, whatever. We're using it for our movie. Glormax is my follow-up for my movie Reservoir Puppies. I used it to stand on top of the inventory. I attach photos of everything and they're automatically stored in the cloud. I'm sorry for all the gross things I did to your universe. Apology accepted, Glormax, Eater of Worlds. Let's roll one. Airtable, organize anything you can imagine. All right, up, rolling. And action. 
That was fantastic. I, I have not seen that before. I love that. <laughs> I, I'm sure even if you uh, were, weren't aware of the product, this video is going to put a smile on your face. Uh, oh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. It's, it's the best thing you could do. I think uh, now you uh, have uh, this registered and uh, next time, even if you don't remember the brand, you're still going to remember that there were kids in the video. They were trying to do a, a fictional movie that <laughs> didn't exist. And, and that's something that you would go and search and then you will discover the product. And that's the best way you would, I think uh, you would already be uh, like your intent to buy would be really high from uh, that brand. Right, right. Right. Yeah, that, that's a great example of, of doing something, you know, doing something outside the box. I, I hate that phrase, but, you know, you could have just said, we're a busy office of grownups and we can't keep track of what we're doing. OK, fine. I mean, that, that's not not interesting, but this commercial was hilarious and entertaining. You bet. You bet. So uh, next thing that I want to talk about, again, it's very important that you pick uh, non-traditional examples like these uh, that uh, will leave a mark on your audience. But at the same time, when your product is complicated and with most advanced uh, technologies and uh, security systems, etc., cetera, uh, like especially if you are a founder who comes from the tech background or if, if uh, you're talking about the product marketer uh, who is more closer to the product than the audience, uh, it, it's bound to happen that you get caught up in the bias of, of having built the product, right? So you, yes. you feel so strongly about the tech stack that you have or the security systems in place uh, if, it, if it's a sensitive product. Uh, and, and oftentimes, then not you will end up like talking in a language that your audience might not really connect to. So I, I want to know what are things that you need to keep in mind in order to like get your messaging right when it comes to communicating very complicated ideas in a very com compelling and clear manner. Right. Well, to, to me, the main thing is I, 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 I am a big fan of demos. So we've got a product. Again, this gets back to, to my developer background. I'm cynical. You tell me your product's great. Show me that your product is great. That's what I want to see. So what I found, um, and, and I have found this in, in lots of places that I have worked, lots of organizations, is that when you try to make something simple, to say, all right, we're going to start here, and we need to get there, and let me show you how quickly and easily you can do that. As you try to put that demo together, you will find a number of places where things are just unnecessarily complex. And part of your job, in my opinion, as an evangelist, is to push back on the product team. It's just to say, okay, we've got a situation here where you're asking me to enter two pieces of information, but if you know the first piece of information, you can figure out the second one. So take the second piece of information out of the product altogether. Just use it internally, but don't make the user have to think about that. You know, you'll find lots of, of situations like that where you really need to push back you know, on the product team to basically be an advocate for your audience uh, to make life simpler for them. Uh, in terms of, of terminology, that can be a tough one, um, you know, because the, the marketing uh, department 
tends to be a little closer to uh, to product development. Product development and marketing will say these are competitive differentiators, and that's valuable information. Yes, show us how we're better than the competition. Um, but that doesn't mean those are going to be equally valuable to the audience. So, you know, that's where I, I have really leaned on the sales force over the years, because those are the people standing up in the boardroom in front of the customer. And when they say, we have feature X, and the customer says, we couldn't care less about feature X, okay, that's really good for me to know as I'm putting together my demo. I'm not going to show feature X if I can help it. So, you know, having that feedback and just the interaction with marketing, with sales, and with product development, uh, to me, that's just vital. And if you do things well, and, you know, to me, this is one of the most gratifying things about making videos, is when development comes to me and says, wow, we've never seen the product work that well. Okay, that's a sign you did your job really well when you made something seem very simple and compelling you know, developers tend to see all of the difficult work behind the scenes that a customer is not going to see. So when you can show everybody, including product development, this is how simple this this could be. Uh, that's that's fantastic. And when you do that, you earn the trust of those other organizations. You know, they, they will have faith in you to get the messaging right and to emphasize the things that are really important. True. You being in the intersection of product and marketing, I think you've spent enough time writing code yourself and marketing right. products both. Uh, right. I think this question uh, goes right up your alley, right? I, I want to know how does a programmer uh, or a developer uh, look at marketing initiatives? I think uh, in many organizations, it it becomes very hard to convince the product teams or the technology teams to participate in activities like this, like whether it comes to uh, uh, like uh, making a video commercial, it could be uh, uh, an offline activation for your product or things like that. It could be uh, that they wouldn't care a lot about it because uh, they, they, they're more bothered about how the product is going to be uh, and how it's going to function and what's the pipeline like. Uh, and they oftentimes do not bother to contribute. But then I, I don't think these activities are marketing in general is is not the job of only the marketers hired in the company, but then it's the job of everybody in the company. So right. I want to know what, what, what's the perspective like? Uh, there are a couple of things. One is for developers, it's an unpleasant truth, but no one cares that you added a new feature to the product. Hey, I worked really hard on this feature. If that feature doesn't do anything useful for me, I don't care. I'm sorry. I love you. Good work. Nice job on the feature. But it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't make me reach for my wallet. And it can be difficult to, you know, you have to be diplomatic in saying to development, we understand this new feature was difficult to write, but it doesn't resonate in the field. So we're not going to talk about it. It doesn't matter how hard you worked on it or how difficult it was to, to get it working. So I, I, I think that's part of it uh, in that there can be some friction there. If we added 10 new features to the product, we've got 10 things we need to talk about in every message. No, you don't. 
you, you may have two or three things to talk about. Are those 10 features, they may enable four use cases. Talk about the four use cases, not the features. So that can be you know, a, a, a source of tension sometimes because you know, development, this is my code. I worked on it really hard, I'm proud of it. You know, I understand that, that pride of ownership, but that doesn't mean it necessarily belongs in a, in a marketing message. Um, the other thing that I've tried to do uh, in my career is I want my videos to seem like I'm having a great time. You know, I want the audience to say, boy, those people at Redis Labs, they make great products, but they seem to be having a great time doing it. I have a really warm feeling about that organization. That That's sort of what I want uh, to come across. And as you do that, if you're having fun in your videos, or at least if you look like you're having fun in your videos, you can start recruiting developers and other folks uh, to be part of, of, of your videos. So, you know, we did sketch uh, sketches, you know, where let's get the, the lead developer in, you know, give them a role to play. Let's get technical writing in there. Let's get somebody from sales, you know, let, let's get the, the whole company involved. And it just becomes a fun thing. Most people kind of like being on camera, kind of like being the center of attention. And to me, that has helped a lot uh, in, again, building that trust uh, across organizations. If, if you are, are in a video that I've, I've put together, you know, you, you're going to watch it. You're going to call your mom. Hey, check out this YouTube video. It's great. And I, I think that that has helped me a lot. And just getting other people involved uh, in what can really be a lot of fun if you're doing it the right way. Absolutely. I think a lot of companies undermine the value uh, of, of engaging uh, with their own internal uh, stakeholders that is employees, right? They, they have like uh, a strong audience inside the company there and there because uh, if if your employees uh, happen to engage with a video that you put out and, and they happen to share and uh, spark conversations around it, then of course it's going to spread in their circles and you're going to get that organic reach. Uh, but the okay. easiest way to do it is by shelling out dollars on, on advertising. But then I think, I think organic reach uh, is something that you cannot really fight. Uh, right. Word of is possibly the best thing that you could have. Yeah. 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 I mean, that that's um, it's obviously what you want. It's it's not automatic. I, I wish I knew a formula to automatically make something go viral. Uh, but, you know, to, to me, having more people involved, more people contributing that that uh, it's not going to guarantee success, but it certainly helps your chances. True, true. But I think also, like you said, the participation is something that makes it uh, more valuable when you have subject matter experts uh, contributing uh, through their time and knowledge in in helping shape that video better. The output is, of course, going to be better. Like uh, sure. the marketing team uh, cannot be the only uh, uh, people that are held responsible for coming out with assets, especially because you're, you're eventually marketing tech products. You need to know. Uh, you need to ensure that you put the right message across, and and you need to talk about the right things. Again, like you said, both of them have different insights. I think uh, one one side, uh, the product team is closer to the uh, tech that they've built, uh, and whereas the uh, 
marketers are closer to the audience. And again, like we said, and, and I go by this quote that uh, the customers don't end up buying products, but they end up buying outcomes for themselves. So uh, if you are able to sort of uh, tie them together at the hip and 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 sort of make a collaborative effort in coming out with the asset, I think it's it's going to work better than one party doing it over the other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. That, that's that's very true. Absolutely. So uh, that said, like I, I'd like to talk about your experience at uh, Red Hat. I think uh, you've uh, done a lot of long form content, uh, and and uh, that involves a lot more storytelling than uh, you you could get away with a ten second video uh, easily. But when you're when you're doing something that is uh, longer than a minute or two i think uh, you you run the risk of uh, losing your audience's attention so it's very important yeah. that uh, you you sort of hold them together and and keep them engrossed in what you're saying so right. w- what what are your tips to uh, look at long form content uh, especially today we see a lot of long form content in the most common form is a webinar i would say uh, that uh, people uh, i think every other company is doing and uh, if you look at it uh, from the start of COVID-19, uh, I, I think there is something what we could call as webinar fatigue, which is creeped in uh, because yeah. you see every day you see a lot of webinars coming your way. And and typically because I would say for the lack of other words, uh, the, the whole idea is that they, they end up being a sales pitch over value creation. For most marketers and sales professionals who've lost the opportunity to uh, have uh, in-person meetings and handshakes, uh, this has become the easiest, uh, the closest way to get to the customers. And they happen to like shove uh, sales pitches down their audience's throats. And it eventually hurts the brand in the long term. So what what are tips that uh, you uh, would like to give or, or learnings from your experiences at Red Hat of creating long-term videos? Well, there are a couple of things. One is I I started out with a story. And I can't believe I've talked this long without using the word story. Story is vital. You know, you mentioned uh, people buying outcomes for themselves. You have to tell that story. Here's how you reach the outcome you want uh, if you work with my product. Uh, But what what I found uh, at Red Hat, we put together... um, a, a fictional amusement park called Coderland. Uh, and what we did was we would create uh, a ride at Coderland. So there would be a roller coaster. And we would have several long form videos. One was just the setup, which would talk about, you know, here at Coderland, we're excited, excited to announce our new ride. And we would talk. Uh, a little bit about that. There was a lot of humor in there. It set up uh, the, the the stories that would come later. And what I learned there is that had to be something that you could skip, which kind of kind of hurt because that was the most fun video to do of them all. But you know, you can't force someone to watch something that's maybe a little offbeat. Uh, just to get the technical content uh, that they came for. So what we would do with a ride then, like we had a ride uh, that uh, was all about serverless computing. 
Okay, that's what you're here for. You're not here because you run an amusement park. You're here because you want to learn more about serverless computing. So we would have in the other videos, you know, more long form content, seven, eight minutes, something like that. Uh, we would go into the technology more. Uh, one side or one video would be, this is what serverless is all about. And again, we had to have these things stand alone. If you're familiar with serverless, you can skip that video, move on to the next step, you'll be just fine. So it, it, it was important to me uh, to learn that, to say this long form content needs to stand on its own, each piece, even though together they tell a story. You know, if you don't have the time or the interest uh, to, to watch any particular piece, I still want you to get value out of this. You know, there's still a serverless sample. We still show you how to set up the infrastructure. We show you how to invoke the serverless function, how to deal with the data that comes back from it. Those are all things that I want to know as a developer. And if you're giving me that information, I'll stick around. You know, seven or eight minutes is not a lot of time for me to give up if it gives me a solid example that I can build on. But, you know, it, it's just, it's important to keep things moving and never forget that your audience is busy and will not hesitate to, you know, click the tab closed if, if you're not entertaining. You know, if, if you're in front of an audience, yeah. people tend to stick around out of politeness. You know, I'm here. I guess I'll just stay in the audience. I don't want to seem rude by leaving. With video, no, people will kick you out in 12 seconds if they're not interested in what you're doing. It's it's interesting. I think I think I, I like to call that phenomenon as being at the mercy of the swipe of the thumb, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it it used to be it used to be uh, a time when uh, people would still think about it one or two times before they walk out on you out of the room. Uh, right. But uh, it became easier when it was uh, about clicking uh, uh, a couple of buttons and closing the tab. And today it's just a matter of one swipe and you're gone. Right. So it's it's uh, it's important that you sort of uh, value that uh, audience's attention and ensure yeah. that you are creating value uh, in return for them to like stick on for the whole time. Right. Right. And I, I've also found in my experience when I open a YouTube video in the lower left corner, it tells me how long the video is, and. You know, that's one place you have to be really careful with longer form content. If it's five minutes, okay, a certain number of people will stick around. If it's seven, okay, you probably lost a few people. If it's 23, wow, it better be great content if I'm going to watch from start to finish. And, you know, like you say, if I get two minutes into it and it's not, for whatever reason, maybe the phone rings. I don't know. For whatever reason, I can just click the tab close. And and do something else. I won't see the rest of your content. Yeah, yeah. I think we've spoken about getting the duration uh, right uh, in this answer. The next question comes to uh, being consistent when it comes to creating content. And I want you to pick the example of uh, your experience at IBM, working on a <laughs> weekly series of videos called uh, Developer Work Mailback. Right. Uh, um, please tell me more about that series uh, and what it takes to being consistent 
and and consistently putting out great content because it's not about just uploading another video every week but uh, a lot of thought goes into it and what kind of resources that you need what kind of uh, like time that you need to devote for uh, creating a series like that right right well th- there's several things with those videos uh we set up there's a certain opening sequence there are things that we do every week and we we learn to balance that if you have too much of that you know the the intro is too long don't don't spend a minute getting to the point you need to do that quickly um the other thing is we tried to tie them together so you know we had a, a, a an episode on containers uh the next week we talked more in depth about docker the next week we talked about deploying that docker container to kubernetes the next week we talked about kubernetes secrets the next week we talked about istio you know i mean there's a progression there and you know people can follow along obviously if i don't care about kubernetes i'm not going to watch a video on kubernetes no matter how entertaining it is but you know we we tried to tie that together you know each each episode stood on its own but there was also a sequence to it so that you know if i say join us next week and we'll talk more about containers okay if i care about containers i'm going to join you next week i'm going to uh, going to tune in for that sure i'd like to play one video and uh, from that series that you could tell me about uh, how how you went about making this uh, so here goes that video hello This is Doug Tibble. I was recently sitting in my corner office admiring the scenery through my floor-to-ceiling windows when I received an email from senior architect Tamara Bogdanovich of Massapequa, New York. Tamara writes, Dear Doug, tabs or spaces? Sincerely yours, senior architect Tamara Bogdanovich, Massapequa, New York. Tamara, that's an excellent question. two spaces and we'll see you again soon with another episode of the developer works mailbag yeah that that one was fun and at that point that was many episodes into the series uh we had sort of established that flow yeah you know there, there's an intro Yes, there's a little bit of silliness there. I I did not have a corner office with floor to ceiling windows. <laughs> uh but we quickly got to the point, here's a technical question and then we're going to use that as a jumping off point uh to to five or six minutes of of technical content. Uh but with that one obviously we just had fun with it. We just said let's do all the setup of the intro and the outro but really have only, you know, all I said was two spaces and we're done. So Yeah, that was fun. Uh and of course we got a lot of of controversial mail. No, it should be tabs. You you don't know what you're doing. Um so we're less polite than that. But um you know, it, it was just a fun way to play around with the format uh that we had put together at that point. Yeah. It seems to be the unpopular opinion when it comes to using spaces. Again, it's it's a very internal video that only developers would know possibly and uh I think this they uh I think the series called silicon valley on hbo also used this yes in storyline <laughs> yes that actually broke up a relationship on the show which is hilarious <laughs> that is true that is true uh 
uh, I, I think we we spoke a lot about uh, uh, your experience and and uh, working with brands like uh, uh, Red Hat, IBM, or uh, Redis Labs. Uh, what I'd like to also uh, focus on uh, is uh, current trends that you really uh, like admire, like or, or 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 things that you are on top of. And one of the things that you mentioned uh, is experimenting with light bulbs. Right. Again, right. this is something that uh, you've tried again in in one of your previous uh, uh, companies, uh, and and I'd like to play that video before uh, we talk about this trend and and how you think this is going to help a lot of people who uh, are in the profession of doing demo videos. So here goes right. the video. Okay. Sure. This is me explaining a technical problem. Uh, what I'm showing there is people will define a number of systems and they're all completely different. They're all doing the same thing, but they're inconsistent, which causes various problems across an organization. So that's what I'm trying to do there. Um, there's several things that make light boards really difficult. Uh, the number one problem for me is I can't use a teleprompter. So I actually have, I have a, a black wall behind me I had to paint the wall on the opposite side of the room black as well, because you get too many reflections on the, the light board. Uh, it's distracting. If you had a, a teleprompter there, um, you know, I, I just, I, I'm not good at, at memorizing lines. You know, if I want to make three points, it's hard for me to get through all three points without saying, um, or forgetting one or stuttering. Uh, as I go. So it, it takes a lot of time for me anyway, uh, in terms of getting the dialogue to flow nicely uh, so that it, it, well, so that it sounds as if I have a script, as if I've memorized something or are reading off a teleprompter. Uh, there are a couple of things that I notice people um, don't necessarily do well. Uh, one of them is as you as I do a light board, I design what I'm going to write on the board. So in, in that case, what we had is, is when, you're, when you're getting started with the technology, there are two basic problems. On one side, you've got lots of little servers, each of which is different. On the other side, you've got one big server, which is unreliable. And then, of course, in the middle was our product, which solved both problems. So it made sense in that uh, uh, instance to draw the diagrams that way. So over here, I've got a certain problem I'm diagramming. Over here, I've got a different problem. And look, here in the middle is the solution. So yeah, in this case, early on, uh, I'm talking about a problem. This is called the Islands of Jenkins problem. Uh, basically, you have a bunch of Jenkins servers in your company, and there's absolutely no consistency no governance, et cetera. Uh, as the video goes on, there's a monolithic Jenkins server approach on the right. Uh, that doesn't work either. And then, of course, uh, the company's product comes in to save the day uh, in the middle. So it's important to, to sort of draw out exactly how you're going to build on the diagram. Um, another thing that people forget is give yourself space to look at the camera. So I can write stuff in front of my face and then stand there. It's hard to see me because there's writing between me and the camera. So you know you have to think about leave a little spot on the board that that's unmarked 
that that you can look through uh, at the camera. But the the main thing is this is a, an adaptation of uh, what we call chalk talks. So th- those were typically very intimate discussions with customers where I'm drawing out here's a problem and here's how we solve it. And I'm asking you questions as we go. So this is a problem we see a lot of people having. Is this something, is this an issue for your organization? Well, yes, it is, Doug. Okay. And then we go on and, you know, I will tailor what I'm drawing uh, to that discussion. And this, I think, is a good way to, to connect with an audience over video because I'm doing the same sort of thing. I'm drawing these pictures out the way I would draw them out if I was in the room with you. Um, you know, there, there are, in addition to the teleprompter, uh, it can be difficult uh, to write without squeaking. Uh, if you mess up a section, you have to be able to erase everything you wrote during that section, then go back and refilm it. Uh, it's just from a, a production uh, perspective, it's it's a much more difficult thing to do than a regular video. But I, I think it um, you know it, it can be really effective. The other thing I'll say, and I did not figure out this out myself, when I started watching them, at first I thought everybody was writing backwards, and then I thought, okay, no, everybody's left-handed. That's what. No, what you do is you film everything backwards. And then in your video editing software, you just flip the video 180 degrees and it looks just fine. So I, I was not clever enough to figure that out on my own, but that's that's the way the light board works. No, I, I think, I think uh, coming from a technical background and not knowing a lot about video production and, and having picked up the skill, uh, this is something that uh, is, is quite admirable. I, I think uh, kudos to you for having mastered uh, these skills and I, I'd like to get a tour into your home studio that you've now built. I think you, you sort of uh, like uh, the, it looks professional the way you put yourself out there uh, in terms of uh, having a clean background or the audio quality that uh, matters. I think uh, this this goes on to show how important it is to uh, understand uh, that it needs more effort. It's not just about pressing a button and 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 just rolling, right? You right. need to prepare yourself. You need to ensure that whatever you put in front of the camera is good, and and you put your best self out there as well. So, you for for uh, ensuring all these things are in place before you record, right? And and other than that, I think uh, the thing that I want to know about here, uh, we've spoken a lot about you and your uh, amazing things that you've done in your experience. But uh, there's always a time when you notice somebody doing something and that's interesting I, and, and that's something that I could learn from. And there are people that you uh, then tend to follow and try to learn from uh, what they are doing. So I'd like uh, you to uh, take this opportunity to uh, do a few shout outs to people that you follow, the people that uh, you admire uh, when sure. to the hour. Uh, yeah, there, there are a couple of people, especially that come to mind. Uh, one is Simon Phipps, uh, who's a fairly famous uh, evangelist, did a lot of work with Java, uh, both at IBM and uh, at Sun, has done a lot of work in the open source community. He is a fantastic speaker. Uh, he is compelling. He's clear. Uh, whatever he's talking about, I'm interested in it. Uh, you know, he could be 
He could be reading his insurance policy. I would show up just to, to listen to that or watch a video uh, of him doing that. Um, he's the one who gave the best description I've ever heard of a technology evangelist. Uh, he said it is someone who compellingly trivializes the complex, uh, which I think is a great way to put it. I'm taking something very difficult and making it look really simple uh, and, and compelling. Uh, the other person I would mention is, is another uh, person who started out as a, a, a traditional evangelist live in the room in front of the audience. Uh, it's a guy named David Barnes, uh, who, again, very, very gifted speaker, but he was the one that I saw as his career progressed. He was the one who transitioned to doing a lot of videos. And that's really where I started thinking, you know, that could be a really, uh, you know, a, a, a really good career skill uh, to know how to make videos, to know how to do something uh, that's compelling and interesting, uh, but still gets a technical message across. So those, those two guys um, are absolutely top notch. Uh, and, and I have learned a lot from watching both of them. Fantastic. And thank you for uh, introducing us and those who are watching to these two amazing guys. I hope uh, uh, we can put this message across to both of them about uh, the kind of work that they're doing and the kind of impact that they create on people like you and me who, I, I mean, I don't even know them, but I'm now going to go and follow them. So uh, you, you yeah, it, it's great. And, and, and you also brought out a very important point there that uh, today video, uh, uh, is has become such an important skill uh, that could go on your resume because uh, of the uh, future foreseeable future that we see right now. Uh, right. This is something that would be very important if, if you're in any role. If you're a product guy, if you're a sales guy, if you're a marketing guy, uh, or you just do social media. I'm not like I think everybody once upon a time uh, uh, like were looking at uh, like photo editing. Or, or Photoshop as a skill that uh, right. everybody for in your resume, but video has become that today, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, the things my daughter can do on Instagram is amazing just with her phone. I mean, th these, these are things that, you know, 10 years ago, you would have need, needed thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Now the phone you have in your pocket does the same thing. So it's, it's, it's great to see, that technology be so accessible uh, to so many people, get that many more creative minds uh, having the tools to, to do great things. Absolutely. I think uh, that that brings us uh, to the end of the episode. We've had a very, very insightful conversation with you, Doug. Uh, I think uh, it's, it's something that I had expectations for when I saw your profile and 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 the work that you had done i knew this is going to be an interesting episode and uh, it uh, the episode did not disappoint me so uh, i hope everybody else who has been watching or who will be listening to the episode uh, on on podcasting platforms like uh, spotify apple google podcasts uh, uh, that I, I just wanted to plug this there that we are now available on all pla podcasting platforms. So you'll be able to stream this episode soon on there. And I hope uh, everybody who listens to the episode on these uh, also enjoy it equally uh, uh, than the people that are watching right now live. So uh, thank you so much for taking time out uh, from your busy schedule and, and joining us today on Madover Videos Podcast. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was great.
I I hope to stay in touch with you and uh, like uh, get to work together sometime on 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 projects as well. So uh, with that, uh, for everybody else, uh, uh, we'll sign off now. But we'll soon be back with another episode with an interesting guest. Uh, and until then, see you guys. Thank <laughs> you.